Thank you to Rock and Youth uh, for honoring God today in worship by using your voices. Might that be an inspiration for all of us. Thank you very much. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you so much for this wonderful day. We thank you for uh, the young people in this church that continue to bring energy, passion. Lord, today we especially thank you for the mothers here and those who have been like mothers, for the ways that they've cared for us, nurtured us, taught us everything we need to know, for the ways they still answer our phone calls when we have a dozen questions. Lord, we are grateful today. Would you guide us and lead us? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our scripture today comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 2. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture. See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you, then, who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now... You have received mercy. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I can look out at all of us and say, once you were not a people. Some of you were born in Scottsboro, others from the north, south, east, and west. Some moved here and considered it moving to town. We've got fans of all kinds of football teams and non-football fans at all and non-athletes and people who are musically inclined and those who are tone deaf. We've got members so young they're still experiencing the first season of everything and others who've been through most seasons of life. Once, you were not a people. Some of us are here because of friends and family. Others wandered in looking for a church home and haven't managed to wander back out over the last many years. We were once not a people, just strangers, who found ourselves in a pew that we then claimed for now until eternity. Once we didn't know the people who were sitting beside us. Once we were just individual strangers gathered together in this place. But now we are God's people. 
a family that God has called to worship together in this place. We are a family and called to love each other through grief, watch each other's children laugh and sing and pray together as we proclaim the mighty acts of God. We weren't God's people, but now we are. That's the heart of these verses from 1 Peter. That's how it ends. Over the past several months, I've become very familiar with the book of 1 Peter, as our ladies' Bible study has been working through this book, chapter by chapter, at times verse by verse. About ten of us gathered together on Monday nights. It has been an incredibly impactful experience for me, and hopefully for others as well, because we got to experience this text. We got to experience verse 5 together. Let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. That's the passive tense. This verse jumped out at us when we studied it together. Let yourselves stop resisting. Let God take us from different places, different stages of life, different religious backgrounds, different personalities. Let God take all of us who were not a people and build us together into a spiritual house. To me, it's kind of like trying to hug someone who isn't really a big fan of physical affection. You wrap your arms around them, and they need a little more coaxing than that, and they start to tense up their shoulders, and they turn their heads, their side, their teeth gritting the entire time. It's okay. Just give into it. Just give into it. Stop resisting. Let yourselves. We are supposed to let God build us into a spiritual house. That's the passive tense. Just receive the hug. That's what he's saying. You don't even have to hug back. Just receive the hug. Let yourselves be built into a spiritual house. You know, that sounds fine and all to me until we all realize that this means taking a posture of humility. Miss Independent up here likes to do my own thing. And frankly, working with others who are being built into a spiritual house with me is not my favorite thing. While I was in Spain, there was a group of five Colombians who came from Colombia, obviously, to help with the new mission point in Madrid. Once we arrived in Madrid, we met up with six more, mostly Colombians, who now live in Spain, including my father and myself. We were a group of 13. All 13 of us went to Switzerland and France together to work with new church projects there. Now, Colombians like to stick together, very together. That's how they show they care. So we were in the airport waiting for a flight for Switzerland, and I decided that I needed a cup of coffee, naturally. So I get up, I grab the money, I say, Dad, I'll be right back, and I jut off to find me some coffee. Sure enough, a few minutes later, I hear a group start yelling, Micah, Micah, yelling at me from across the airport. Poor little innocent bystanders standing there watching this crazy group of Colombians yelling my name. We're over here. What are you doing? Where are you going? Come walk with us. We'll come walk with you. What do you need? (laughs) Fine. Just getting through the airport trying to buy a cup of coffee. We can all come with you. All seven of them. 
I tried to say that's not necessary. I continued with, where do you think I'll go? We're in the airport. It's not like I'm going to get lost or like I'm walking down some shady street in Madrid. And it's not like I don't speak the language. At which point, a young 19-year-old boy named David said, let her go. She's independent. Americans are all like that. <laughs> we, together, are built into a spiritual house. We are each a living stone that is put together to create the spiritual house of God, but it is we, together. I think that's important. Because it reminds us that we can't do Christianity alone. Yes, we have to have a personal relationship with Christ. And yes, that is important. But we do not do Christianity alone. Why? Because as individuals, we are each a living stone. We live and witness to what God is doing in the world and in our lives. But we individually are just a stone. And an individual stone is a terrible house as we witnessed earlier in the children's message. Together, we are a house. And as such, our testimony is greater and stronger. Our faith is fortified. Our service reaches more people. I'd rather preach on being a living stone, singular, because that's easier for me. Clearly, David, the Colombian, picked up on that. There is certainly a time for independence and working alone, but the Colombians were really good to push me on this idea of being a spiritual house, together, united. At times, it cramped my style, and I didn't like it. But sometimes their togetherness was completely right. One person would start singing a hymn while we were sitting around hanging out, and then others would join in, and then someone would start pounding out the beat to the music. An impromptu worship service would just start like that. That's the power of a spiritual house. Or sharing all our scarves and mittens and socks when it snowed in Switzerland and the Colombians had never seen snow before. That's the power of a spiritual house, united together, less focused on the individual self. So we are called to let God build us into a spiritual house. And we all know that at times, that will cramp our style. But we will have a stronger testimony together than alone. And as the spiritual house of God, there are some things we are promised in the book of First Peter. Have any of you ever been to the reading of a will? I'm sure some of you have. The family, the relatives, and any others who expect to be involved in the distribution of the funds gather in the judge's chamber, the lawyer's office, and the will is read. The room is filled with this mixture of grief and curiosity and anxiety. I thought about this when I read this part of First Peter. Sometimes I forget that this is what we do every Sunday. We read the will. That is what we are gathered here for, to read God's will so that all the children of God can know what their inheritance is. We have, by virtue of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, an inheritance that cannot shrink or be removed or be altered and that cannot pass away. 
So have you been to the reading of a will? Some people don't even show up because they don't want to be embarrassed. They say, well, what if everyone is sitting there and everybody else gets something out of this inheritance and they never call my name? Then what? I think I just won't show up. Because in the end, the inheritance that you get is up to the benefactor's decision. And that benefactor can change his mind over and over again, whatever they're feeling. Some people discover they were written in or out on a whim. Why show up at the reading of a will if the inheritance is up to feeling and whim? Just as common, people don't show because they don't expect anything worthwhile. If your great aunt was a multimillionaire, cousins and in-laws and outlaws will come out of the woodwork to hear the will, just in case. There's a chance that you got 5% of that. But if Auntie Mildred has been living on food stamps and charity for the past two decades, it'll only be the people who want something to remember her by. No one is expecting much except a sentimental trinket. When I read First Peter, this is what I think about, the reading of a will. Because we gather on Sunday morning to read the will, what do you expect to receive when the will is read? If you come here on Sunday morning thinking, man, I hope that God has me on his list because I need something, it will change how you worship. If you approach it thinking, Aunt Mildred sure was nice, maybe I'll get a cute teapot to remember her by, it will also affect how you worship. One is about need, the other is about sentiment. In today's text, we are reminded that we inherit the kingdom of God, and that inheriting the kingdom of God brings with it a task. We are to join the priesthood, the royal nation. We gain a spiritual house. We inherit God's mercy. And Peter is pretty clear in this book that this inheritance is kept for us in heaven which means it cannot be tarnished or changed or altered or diminished at all. So let me read the will again, just to make sure you know what you're in for. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are God's people. We were not a people, but now we are, and we have received his mercy. In case you forgot, that's your inheritance as children of God. We gather on Sundays to proclaim what is coming, to proclaim the inheritance that is guarded for us. And that is no sentimental keepsake. It is a life-changing Event. Do any of you remember the TV show Extreme Makeover Home Edition? Anybody? Extreme Makeover Home Edition. It started in 2003 and went until 2012, so apparently I wasn't the only one who liked it. I loved this show. It was so exciting, and the show had a brilliant formula that worked. They would find a family that was in need, down on their luck, overwhelmed by bills, and working so hard. So they'd send this family on a vacation, and while the family was away, carpenters and designers and relatives would all come in and remodel their house in a week or so. 
as the episode would go on, you couldn't really tell what the whole house would look like. You would get a feel for how the baby room would look or a picture of the master headboard to go in the bedroom. You'd see the paint colors chosen for the kitchen. But you'd never see the whole picture of how it would come together. They didn't want you to. Because at the end, there would be a big bus in front of the newly remodeled house. And everyone would gather. They'd find the neighbors and the friends or anybody they could to stand there in front of that bus. And they'd bring the family back after their week-long vacation to Disney World. The family would be all excited to see their new home. They'd drive up, and all they'd see is a big old bus. And then the entire show built up to this peak in every episode where all together everyone would yell, Move that bus! And as they yelled, move that bus, bus would pull away. And in that moment, the family would see their new home and they would lose their minds and go crazy because they had been hopeless and overwhelmed by life and this could never change. They felt alone and forgotten. But now, this house. What you knew every single week in this show is that when the bus moved away, the house would be spectacular, and the bill would be paid. What Peter is telling us is that all creation is waiting in expectation of just that thing. God is taking the helpless, the hopeless, the forgotten earth, and he's renovating. All of creation is waiting for the fullness of the royal priesthood and the holy nation waiting for the spiritual house built of living stones. We see glimpses here and there, but we can't piece it all together. We don't see the whole picture just yet, just a headboard here and kitchen paint colors there. We can see that we can talk to God for ourselves. You don't need me to talk to God. But one day, it won't just be that. It'll be looking at God face to face for all time. That's the full inheritance that's still to come. We can see this glimpse that this church is a spiritual house for the Lord, and at times that might ramp our style. We see it when we gather here and remember what God has done. We see it when the storms come, and here we find shelter. Friends from here cook and bake and fill our fridges when we wrestle with grief. We see the spiritual home. One day, God's house will stretch to the ends of the earth. That inheritance is still coming. So we read the will. We can see that we have part of the inheritance here and now, but we also know that the fullness of that inheritance is not yet ours. It is still to come, and it is bigger than we can even imagine, because one day, at just the right time, all heaven and all earth will shout in terms that only the Bible can articulate, move that bus. So we gather on Sundays to read the will. Maybe you know some people from around here who don't show up for the reading of the will on Sunday because they don't think they're going to get anything. Do you know any people like that? Do you know any people who have excluded themselves? If so, I want you to go and tell them, last Sunday we read the will. Next Sunday we'll do it again. 
And there is nothing, there is nothing like hearing your name called out, nothing like hearing the voice call your name and say, Child of God, this is yours. That's what we do here. We read the will, Scottsboro, Cumberland, Presbyterian Church, from the King of the heavens and the earth, from the Savior of the world, from the great I Am, you receive an eternal hope, perfect freedom, a spiritual home. You receive salvation from sins, and you receive the name Child of God. Right now, we can see the paint colors for the kitchen and the headboard for the master bedroom. We only see part of God's coming kingdom, but each week we will gather to read the will and we will see more glimpses of our spiritual home. And when the bus moves, just know this, when the bus moves, the home will be spectacular and the bill will be paid. Once, we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. That is part of our inheritance. So have you ever been to the reading of a will? Yes. Yes, you have. Because that is what we do here. Child of God, this is yours. Let's pray. Lord, we see the magnificent inheritance that we get through the death and resurrection of your Son. Lord, and we see that within this inheritance there is work for us to do, that we together might stand as a spiritual home that reaches out to all those in need. Give us the courage and the boldness to go out and find those who have taken themselves out of the equation who have decided that they just might not show up because they won't receive anything. Give us the courage to go out and to remind them that you are calling them to be your child, that they might partake in the inheritance as well. We pray this in Christ's name.